Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today, I have none other than my friend, John Russin. And you can see the resemblance in the nice, beautiful... Oh, shit, we gotta, we gotta turn on the phone. This is bad. Right? But this is real life, so you see that I can uh, constantly, constantly on the go. But, um, you know, that we have nice round heads, and that was part of the reason that we got together to talk on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, um, on a serious note, actually, John's out here to, um, to do an in-staff for, uh, for our team yeah, a little bit later. And, uh, you know, my, my goal is always flying out and, and, and collaborating with people that are doing some great stuff in industry. And that can, we can implement, like, in, um, you know, like, like right away. Essentially, could because the the I would say that the clients that we work with and what John brings to the table to the industry uh, like is is top notch and and just to kind of give a little backstory of of you know how it, uh, 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 we met I mean we met at the NorCal Fitness Summit but I already was uh, like following you and doing some of your stuff and and uh, uh, and really loving the philosophy and you know me coming from a, a professional sports background and 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 uh, you know just uh, beating my body up over the years. And uh, getting to a point where I'm like, shit, like, uh, like I know all this stuff about training, but but I need to, and you know, doing your FHT uh, program was like the uh, one of those things where I was like, right, I'm gonna do this for 12 weeks, and let's see what happens, right? And great results. Best thing was that I felt great, didn't feel beat up, um, and uh, so that was kind of like how we uh, we got together and then really started talking and collaborating and doing stuff. And you know, so first of all, like. Welcome, but like today we're gonna go a lot over a bunch of stuff. But but what I wanted to uh, just like start off with for you know people that don't know you is just a little bit of your background and like what's got gotten you to this point today? Because because uh, even I want to hear a little bit more about you know your background and where you come from because you do have a, a a very interesting set of skills that that gel very well together and they're not really a pretty unique I would say in in, in this uh, in the industry. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm very similar to you. Like I grew up an athlete. So I was a multi-sport athlete in high school. I took baseball to D1 level, very, very good player. And I was ingrained in just a physical nature of our lifestyle. So my dad was an athletic director. My mom was a dean of nursing at Damon College, which ended up being my alma mater in graduate school. So we were always kind of talking about sports. We are talking about movement. I was always training. I was always in the gym with my dad. I was always at the college with my mom. And we just had a better appreciation for like living a life of physicality early on. So it was something that I think they definitely ingrained in me. And it's something that I knew I wanted to do from the age I was 16 on. One of my first coaches gave a dowel to me at the University of Buffalo weight room when I was 16 years old. And he goes, this is how we're going to learn how to move. This is how we're going to learn how to be strong. And I had that dowel for six months. And he was like that old school type of coach. Like now it's like current, you know, everyone's doing it in Russia. Everyone's doing it in Eastern Bloc countries. But in Buffalo, New York, for a coach to hand you a dowel and go six months, we're going to we're going to learn how to do compound movements. That's what like set my stage. So I never knew anything but that at that point. So I worked with him for a couple of years and, you know, took my my sport to the D1 level. And after three years, I, I kind of pissed out with an injury, an elbow injury in baseball. And I came to a point where I had to make a decision. I didn't even know at the point I, I graduated in three years without even knowing. So the university was like, hey, man, like you can graduate and you can move on 
or you can keep on taking credits. We don't care. So at that point, I was like, fuck, man, let's graduate. I took a job as a strength coach at the university. And yeah, that same university you went. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then three months later, my parents go, what the fuck, man? You know, like you're just like kind of training. You're making 25 grand a year. Like you got to do something else. You know, them coming from both having doctorates, they're like, I think you should like do something else in graduate school. You should continue your education because you seem to be really passionate about this stuff. So at the point, you know, I was loving training athletes, loved to train myself. And I definitely knew that they were right. So I was like, well, I want to get back in the weight room somehow. So my mom's like, we have this new program at uh, Damon College. It's called a doctorate of physical therapy. And before that, I've never heard of physical therapy. I was never in physical therapy a day in my life. And I said, well, shit, like, what do they do? Uh, they, they treat athletes. So I was like, cool, I'm in. Yeah. So I started full-time school back up. Right after that, I continued to coach uh, in college. And then in high school, I picked up a coaching job locally. And three and a half years later, I had a DPT. I had a background in sports performance. And I ended up taking my first job back in the gym never going back into traditional based PT. So, you know, out of the 50 people that came out of my graduating class, I think I was the only one that didn't take a traditional job. And what, what, so man, what made you make that decision? Okay, so, you know, and obviously your background, I'm looking at it and it's like, okay, uh, you know, you, you obviously were an athlete, you love sports, you love training athletes, like love training yourself. But, you know, what, what made you, you know, come out of that realm and go like, you know what, I'm going straight back to training, I'm not even, looking at the uh, I'll say traditional go back to the PT office and, and stuff like that you know yeah I mean early on even in PT school uh, you know academics are great you know you have to lay that foundation for your principles of exercise science physiology anatomy all that stuff but nothing really resonated with me to the point where I, I wanted to be putting people back together all day and even from the first couple months that first semester in the first year I was always itching to get back in the gym because I was in the gym, you know, after after school, every single day I was still coaching. I was still having my pulse on the industry and sports performance. And it was never, I don't think, an option mentally for me to ever go into a different, uh, you know, sistering profession in the medical or fitness industry with physical therapy. So I definitely just wanted to go in. And I think I had a particular skill set looking at the other students in our class and the class above and below me. And it was something that was it was definitely swimming upstream at the time because everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like you could go make 95,000 right out of school and you could have this great job. You could start saving money and all this stuff. And instead I took a job for 20 fucking dollars an hour out in Southern California. And I had no money. I had nothing except for me working 50, 60 hours a week and just trying to get career capital. So it was definitely a tough decision, but again, like led by my parents, they were they're passionate people they're passion seekers so they definitely saw the passion in me wanting to work in high performance wanting to train wanting to have the sweat on myself and on my athletes and they're like man go do it so having that kind of support it, it was tough but i mean that was a tough decision because we talk about that all the time with uh with master's students with doctorate students they're like how do we do what you do well, you nut up and you make sure that you don't get money for the first couple of years that you work and you literally just like get by by the skin of your teeth and you try to get that one opportunity that allows you to do more. So, you know, what's interesting, man, like um, because in this day and age right now, there's a lot of uh, I'll say talk like, hey, you know, who cares about college? You can skip college. And I have like differing differing opinions on this. Right. Because uh, me, me, me and Mark Rooney were talking about this. Right. And he said, you know what? Like somebody completes college, it means they can follow through on stuff. You know, right. somebody completes. So I, I definitely agree. And 
in your realm, you actually went and dug deeper into stuff that you're now using, right? Yeah, sure. um, because let's be honest, like there's, I, this is at least, you know, some of the stuff that I see in the industry, you have really good, you know, fitness strength coaches that really know their stuff and, uh, you know, maybe lacking on the business side of things. And that could be kind of like the bottleneck. But there's also a lot of people that don't have the, uh, I would say, the knowledge of biomechanics, kinesiology, anatomy, which I think is, you know, really important. And if you don't have it, it's like, man, you got some blinders on when you're training people. Um, and, and that's something that you've been able to really implement, like this, putting the science together with with the art of Definitely. you know of coaching, right? I think I think what we try to say is that that experience putting broken people back together, it gives you an appreciation for trying to reverse engineer high performance. Mm-hmm. So you go and you know how to put people back together if they're hurt. You know how to put people back together if they're dysfunctional. But guess what? 99% of the population, they're coming in hurt even if they don't know it. And they're dysfunctional even if they don't know it. So when you look at trying to like make a paradigm shift on a skill set, knowing how to fix injuries also makes you very, very effective at preventing them as well. And that's really the mindset that I didn't know that I was going to come out with. But I think going through that kind of education definitely made me a better coach. It made me look at things a lot differently in terms of human movement. But just having that background, I'm a big believer that no education's wasted. It's just how you apply the education that you have. You know, uh, coming out of a doctorate level DPT program, three and a half years, they're going to crush you in academics. They're going to make sure that you go out and you're a licensed healthcare professional. But other than that, you know, you have to go out and you have to continue your progress. So, you know, just uh, the run of the mill physical therapists in our industry will think, well, fuck, man, I got a doctorate. I'm smarter than anyone out here. And they're very, very smart people. I can just stop now because, you know, I went eight years of school. I can stop my education. And at that point, you're fucked because you don't continue to learn. And especially if you're trying to do some hybrid performance stuff like we do, you have to do far more self-study because there's not a whole lot of stuff out there that pertains to trying to prevent injuries, uh, you know, in the forefront. But I think that's like so... You know, what I'm seeing, too, is something that you did is that as you're learning, you're applying on a daily basis. And I mean, that's such a key because there's, you know, I can't say enough, even like, for instance, I I had a minor in, in uh, exercise science and kinesiology, but I went business management because, you know, I was playing ball and I'm like, well, you got to know your business shit, right? That's what you come out of. But but it's like if you're not applying that, right, it literally goes to waste, you know, and the best part about, you know, I, I, even stuff like this or this is what I loved about learning was I'd come back from a workshop. I mean, or even the same day, like I'm doing this stuff, right? The next client that comes in, I'm trying it out. Like I'm, right. hey, man, you know, John said this, that guy said that. Let's let's implement this and see how it works. Ooh, works great, great. Take a note. Hey guys, this is our new system. Let's start working this. Teach the team, right? right? It gets ingrained deep, and I think that probably you know, looking from the outside in, that that's something that uh, really helped you kind of move ahead is like as you're learning but you're still in a weight room you're training you're working right. with people like you're seeing this in in the real world and the stuff that doesn't make sense you can go like hmm i don't know this doesn't make sense right and and you just you kind of can throw it out you got two sides of things you got the books and you got the research you have to know your books you got to know and appreciate the research but other than that you got to actually apply it to human beings and that's a big thing that definitely misses the mark in academics and that's where you can actually beta test people and you can go out and you can see self studies of n equals 1 you know you can see what works for an individual knowing that you know there's research on this or there's not research on this or somebody actually wrote a textbook on this it's all about how you apply it but you know 
everything is dependent on how the person is present, presenting in front of you. You know, you have to have an appreciation for the foundations and the principles, but how you apply those principles, it can be different on, you know, five different people walking yep, through the absolutely. door. Now, so with, with that said, okay, so here, because I'm thinking this out loud and I look back at like, you know, my, uh, I would say, path of, you know, strength training, like, you know, where I started and my goals at first were like, you know, performance, build muscle, I want to get better at basketball, right? But here, here's, here's a question like, okay, so for somebody, okay, a, a person that right now is in, you know, their early 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, but the goal is like, look, okay, I, I don't want to, like, I, I still want to, you know, be able to go play pickup basketball or flag football or, you know, ultimate frisbee. So I, I want to be able to like step on the field and perform. But man, I want to like, I want to look good, be muscular, but man, I don't want to be beat up, right? So, you know, and, and your philosophy of training like really fits into that. So I want you to just, want, you know, break down, you know, how you approach that because really FHT for me was that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then on the back end, I'm going to ask you some questions on, okay, but what about a guy that, like is just really interested in just, you know, getting stronger at, at the same way or somebody right. that's just like really interested in performance and just get your views on that because I, I, I think your approach is like for someone like me is, is, is excellent because I want to look at longevity, right? Like I'm 35 years old, when I'm 45, I want to be jacked right. and lean yeah. and be able to go, you know, play basketball. And man, I don't want to be hurt. And, and, and I would say that majority of people probably listening in, you know, there's nothing worse than an injury that's a nagging injury because one, you can't make progress. Pain creates a lot of dysfunction in movement and in whatever you, you know, uh, in every aspect of life. But, you know, just uh, kind of let's, let's, let's look at your philosophy and overview of that, like approaching that. Hey, look, I want to be athletic. I want to be like, I want to be pretty jacked yeah. and look lean, but I don't want to be hurt. Well, injury prevention is the number one thing that allows you to attain any goal that you have. So that's not the sexiest thing out there. You know, sexy things are increasing your vert, increasing your 1RM squat, getting faster. Those things are really cool to see and people can achieve those things, but it's a short-term goal mindset. And really like what we're looking at is trying to have sustainability in a long-term base mindset. So it's a mind shift of what we're doing with our programming. So without being huge pussies in the process, we try to do things just a little bit smarter. Yeah. So we try to really just exhaust all of the options in terms of dynamic warm-ups, in terms of programming, recovery. We try to just do things a little bit smarter. Uh, again, going back to that term reverse engineering pain-free training, that's really my mission for every single program and every single athlete that we work with because we need to go above and beyond because the majority of people, again, they're, they're not inherently broken, but they need some fixing of some sort. And they do have some weak links that are gonna, you know, they are gonna end up in injuries sometimes. And injury prevention, uh, it's a hard thing to master. And there's no one on the face of this earth that can guarantee you that you won't get injured. But many times, injuries are either the fault of a coach or more so the fault of an athlete you let different things get into the way of what you're trying to ultimately achieve. So ego being a big one, you know, trying to move max weights with ugly form, uh, programming just falling apart and trying to achieve, uh, you know, those physical metrics too quickly instead of having that step-by-step long base approach. But what we're trying to do is trying to give the holy grail of training, 
We might not get it quite as fast as, you know, just a six to eight week balls to the wall program that's going to get you strong when you come off of a deload. But we're going to get it to the point where we have sustainable results, where we can make step by step progress and it's going to work for a year. It's going to work for two years. It's going to work for a decade. And it's going to leave you at the end of the day enjoying your training, being challenged with your training, but also having longevity. So any single thing that we do, if you don't have sustainability and you don't see yourself doing it for the long term, that's not a kind of programming method that we're going to use. We're going to use things that people can try to master skill sets and the basics, and we can try to actually give them the tools to be self-sustainable and actually just create habits and create mastery levels of their movement patterns. And it's something that takes longer, it takes more detail, it's gonna take more study, it might be frustrating at first, but that's what lays down that foundation that is gonna be super strong so we can actually build a pyramid upon it. And it's, I mean, basically, it's like your, your whole philosophy is one, uh, you know, coaching the long game, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is what, and this is what I love about it. And and probably, you know, maybe if, if we talked ten years ago, I I'd, I'd probably like, yeah, man, give me some shit, that, like you know, anything yeah. that I can push on. But like, but but now, it, like, it makes so much sense, right? Because because I always say I want to get better on my worst day or my average day, right? Like, right. who can, at this point in time, unless you're, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's examples. If you got an MMA fight, you know, in the UFC, or you got you know, you're saying Bolton sprinting on a certain day or, you know, your bodybuilder and you got to peak on a certain day. But, you know, if you're not, and even if you're that person, I think you want to basically continuously improve your worst than right. your average day. But for people that are like, hey, man, I want to live a healthy life. I, I want to be muscular. I want to be athletic. I want to be able to move well, be conditioned. Like, it, there is no specific date necessarily. And actually, the better approach is going like, like, committing to the process and going long term now you know with that said like because for, for for people that don't you know uh haven't followed you which you should um <laughs> and we'll talk about where you can do that but uh you know break down like your your uh your training philosophy like actually just uh, if if we can put it in what what you're going to go over to in staff today yeah, yeah like to to so for for listeners and uh you know we'll be able to dig in into a couple of things uh while we're while we're here on the show but you know how you break down your whole training philosophy and maybe even for some you know because uh, like we talked about somebody has emphasis more on may maybe uh, hypertrophy or yeah. or strength or performance well it all stems off of good foundational movement patterns so we train big six movements which are the squat hip hinge single leg stance upper body pushing and pulling and some sort of locomotion whether it be running whether it be loaded carries something where you move your body through space and those six foundational movement patterns, we place an emphasis on strength development, long-term strength development. So our goals with everybody is to get strong, but to get strong little by little. And we put that kind of on the back burner of injury prevention. So the way that we try to systemize uh, a way that people can optimize their performance in the gym on a training session, but it can also get the most out of their bodies in terms of being in good positions is going through a six phase dynamic warm up sequence. And that's something that is like the backbone of our programming because it literally prepares you to be a better athlete, to move better, to get more load on the bar and actually do reps pristinely, but actually get the most out of some of the fluffy techniques that are kind of like holding our industry back, like foam rolling and stretching that people don't really know how to use correctly. So really going through that six phase sequence, we're going through uh, optimizing soft tissue work, going through dynamic stretching, 
corrective exercise, activation drills, which is a big one, mm -hmm. but just placing an emphasis back on those foundational movement patterns in the dynamic warm-up to actually just have like a two to three minute block-based practice of a squat. Say you have squats in the, in the training session for that day. You don't want to be trying to optimize your squat technique while you're under 315 pounds of load. What you need to do is have, you know, a one, two, maybe three minute session where you can hit three reps, five reps at a time and literally just spend the time with block based practice thinking about your movement quality. So that's a big emphasis on our dynamic warm up. And then finally, just uh, some CNS prep. So we're going to do some sprints, some jumps, some throws, some jacks, stuff like that. But once we get out of that, you should be feeling like you can go take on the world and you should be feeling better than when you started that warm up. So the only reason to warm up is to do two things, to try to prevent injuries and to try to prepare your body for enhanced performance. So sometimes we get in trouble because people that are banged up, which is everybody, we get into the habit of spending 15, 20 minutes on the foam roller, stretching every single muscle in our body. And then you almost get this lag, you know, this parasympathetic lag where you're just kind of lulling through your workouts. And then most people go right into their big strength movement of the day after these fluffy warmups. So another big aspect of what we do with our pain-free training method is putting in something called a power primer set. With the power primer, we take the emphasis off that big foundational strength-based movement of the day, and we put it second, third, fourth in the workout, and we actually put exercises before that that will enhance the feel and the movement of the big strength that's going to be the focus. And that, so like, that was excellent for, for me personally, yeah. right? Because, and one, uh, one of the things is like, let's say, and you know, I don't even know that if you're losing really any strength in that, let's be honest, right? Because I think that's what a lot of people are thinking, like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. My big lift comes first, like I'm fresh, like right. that. But the reality is, like, if even you would lose some, for instance, a couple percent of strength, right? How much are you gaining because of your form uh, activation? Like, because you're right. turning the right things on and turning the wrong things off. Absolutely. Uh, and and so that basically your form is better, so that everything is is going the way it should be in, in, in your no in your movement. Like, I you know, but it goes back to your philosophy. You're you're building little by little versus going like, hey, let me fucking get the best, you know, three uh, uh, RM this day. Right. But then for the next two days, you're you're shot, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and and that's really what it is, right? That's a big misconception, though. So we hear like when we use those power primers, or we put a squat or a deadlift or a bench press third or fourth in a workout, we hear, oh well, I'm not going to be able to lift as heavy of a weight. But it's not necessarily about the weight on the bar. Your body doesn't know the difference between 225 and 245 on the bar. What it knows is how to recruit motor units, how to sequentially synergize all of the key movers together to have smooth and powerful motions. So it's all about movement and contraction-based quality. So when you kind of take away the weight on the bar as just one single metric, mm -hmm. and you go back to actually eliciting a muscular training response, that's a mind shift that most people need to make. And you know, like, like you said, when you're using intelligent power primer-based sets, it's not going to pre-fatigue you. That's a big misconception is, oh, we're going to do uh, you know, leg curls and we're going to do lunges before we squat. But if you do them the right way, if you actually have a purpose 
for why you're doing those movements before the squat, your squats can actually be enhanced. And that's just one example. You know, it's really about monitoring all the different training variables in one. And again, like this shit's fucking hard. There's a reason why people just go into the squat rack and they try to lift maximal amount of weight because they think that's the right way. And it's inherently easier than trying to be a thinking-based athlete or a thinking-based lifter that are gonna do that step-by-step progression and really get it to the point where you can optimize your big lift of the day and then, hey, everything's good, you're pain-free, you got your work done, and you can walk the next day. And so that's the case. So there's a, there's a couple of things I want to bring up, right, as, as you're uh, bringing up these points. So one thing is because we, you know, I would say that so many people are centered on the weight on the bar, right? If we have a conversation, hey, dude, you know, what did you do on your squat? Like, oh, it's 375. Oh, shit, I did 395, right? But, but really, if, if we dug deeper, said, so, well, what's your goal? And, you know, the person be like, man, well, I want to get stronger. Well, I want to be, you know, more athletic. I want to be whatever. And, you know, the things that you're talking about is really saying like, well, look, one, your squat is going to be cleaner. It's going to be better. The right, you know, muscles are going to be working when you're doing it. But you might actually move with better force, you know, and, exactly. and or fire velocities. Whereas maybe I put more on the bar, but now I'm in extension. Now I'm like really beating up my joints versus training the muscles that I want to train. Exactly. And so that exactly. conversation shifts because, yeah, you could go, hey, you did lift more, but man, like you probably beat up those discs like crazy and you didn't move with the velocity there you did with less weight exactly. here, but you did all these primers, but you're actually getting more out of this exercise. You're getting what you want as a result out of this exercise. And that's yeah. what you're saying is like, man, getting the shift from, look, there's more intent. There's more. It's a more thought out process. Like, here's why I'm doing this. I'm right. going to be safer. My next training session is going to be better. Next week's training session is going to be better. Right. And that's what you're really doing versus being like, you know, today. What can I do today? How far can I push it today? Exactly. And, and throw this out the water. And so, like, th- th- that's what I loved about it. It's a very well thought out program. And um, and it's probably more, uh, not probably, there's, there's just, uh, there's more effort that needs to be put in it. But like long term, like your results are going to be like, you know, two, threefold because right. of that effort put in at th- that point in time. You know, who's the person that doesn't get results? So the person that either burns out mentally, burns out physically or ends up broken. broken yeah. So if you have to derail your goals for six to eight weeks to get healthy and you have to start from the bottom again, you're just going to do the cyclical vicious process, always being behind the eight ball. And the key for long-term success is just systemically moving up little by little and having a little bit more mental effort when you go into the gym. So whenever we program for somebody, it's like almost arduous for them to go through the program. I'm sure you've seen this too, where you're reading literally like 200 words for every exercise. So we're not just programming barbell bench press five times five. You know, it's what you're thinking about, what the goal is, what your intent is how you're actually going to use rhythm and tempo of motions, what kind of bar speed that you want. And it's something that if you actually take the time, you can get far better results. And we're talking about results now, not like, okay, we're not going to get hurt. I'm talking about straight results. We can get better results if you actually go through and spend the time to master what the goal is for each and every movement. And then when you step back and you look at a training day, it's not exercise, exercise, exercise. It's an entire sequential synergized day that you have one main goal with. You know, it's interesting that like I, I see a same pattern you know, when we talk about this as the problem uh, of, you know, what's happening with, with diets, right? Mm. Like uh, you get on a diet, it's too overwhelming, it's too much. You crash in some form of manner psychologically, 
there's a metabolic adaptation, you know, like cravings, you name it, right? So there's something that happens. The person goes back, puts on weight, starts another diet, right? But the, the, the truth is that like training in a manner of like, you know, go hard or go home, uh, you know, not having to be thought out, sequential, like really, you know, a process where you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is the process I'm gonna take to get to where I wanna go in a smart way. In many ways, you do the same thing. You work hard, you get these results, right? Like you get stronger, but then boom, you break. Back to step right. one or step two, right? And then you keep doing that, and over time, you start seeing people that, that can go back and go like, well, at one point in time, I was able to do whatever, run yeah. this or lift that, and you know, but now they're broken, right? And it's like, but now I can barely do this, that, or the other. And I think both of those approaches, right, the nutrition appro approach or the training approach where you go more uh, on a process-based, habit-based, how can I implement these things, these smart principles that get me to point B, but like when I, when I get put to point B, I don't go back, right? Right. I just yeah. keep building on it, maybe slower than, the, you know, gung-ho 12 weeks, 16 weeks, but then I'm, you know, then I'm broken for two to three months, rehab, right. get back, no doubt. start at step, you know, two of step eight, you know what I mean, and, and, and just go over again, right? Yeah, like two different things on that. So like on the diet side of things, you look at like a crash-based 30-day plan or a six-week diet plan. I equate that on the training side of things as intensity. Yeah. So a sexy thing in our industry now uh, is hit style, CrossFit classes, stuff that literally is just fucking ball busting to the point where you're hanging your head over a garbage can, your back is freaking killing you, and your shoulders are wrecked. But you do that four days a week, and you feel like because of the sweat dollar that you're putting in, you're actually getting more value out of your actual training session. And it's not about that. It's not about the instantaneous result of you being sweaty or tired. It's about achieving a goal. The difference between exercise and training is actually achieving a goal that you set out to achieve. So, I mean, that is a huge thing, but when we're talking about FHT, like I almost feel like it sounds fluffy. Like this is a ball busting program that is intelligently put together with to the point where you're gonna be left crushed but the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be left crushed. Yeah. But the key is that we are trying to get muscular adaptation with sparing the joints in the process. If I were to like literally just like put a slogan on FHT, it would be crush the muscles, spare the joints, because yeah. that's the name of the game. If we can get muscular adaptations and we can leave you without compensating, without breaking your back, without pinching your shoulders time after time after time, that's going to be what actually gives you the results. But you know, in terms of like that long-term mindset of progress, the most successful strength training program and power training program in our industry is 531. And many people go into 531 knowing that we have these goals, every single week you're gonna move up like two and a half pounds. And people get three, four weeks in, everyone's done it, and they fizzled out and been like, fuck this, I'm gonna go yeah. all out set, uh, yep. and I'm gonna hit 50 pounds over what I was supposed to do today. And then the fizzle out thing, happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like Wendler's style about constant progression. So we use that kind of method, but we just try to make it a little bit sexier where we're doing better assistance work, we're doing better dynamic warm-ups, better pre-training, and it's not all about a percentage-based weight on the bar. So we're looking again for training response and we're looking for tissue response and we're trying to elicit that in the smartest way possible. And I mean, one of the things, so, uh, and, and, uh, you know, maybe talk about this a little bit, right? Because it's not like you went and, and flipped everything on its head. It's literally like you you went in and, and, and just changed some stuff up and went like, look, 
this is a better you know approach from doing supplement lists and assistance lists yep. and using uh, some techniques to intensify. We'll put it this way: to to yeah, basically raise intensity without the the uh, uh, or should I say raise the volume without making intensity as high, using it as high loads, but like uh, you know using interset stretches and and drop sets and right. things like that. Um, now, would you do one thing like? If you could talk about that a little bit, right? It, it, the reason for making it happen is the same thing where you're like, well, yeah, we want longevity. You know, I'd rather go that route and, you know, basically systemic load for and for a lot of people that don't kind of know what systemic load is. So, um, you know, if, if I do a, a front squat with a barbell and I can do 245 for five reps, uh, but I do two kettlebells that are 90 pounds and I can do that for five reps barely, right? Right. One is challenging the crap. Both are challenging the crap out of me. But there's a 60 pound difference there, like that. There's a lower systemic load with the kettlebells, but I'm still getting a ton of benefit, right? No. So is is that something that you like to use in in the programs? Well, I think anytime that uh, intensity is another thing that's just uh, misunderstood in our industry. Mm -hmm. So everyone goes to intensity as your percentage base off of your one RM. Yep. If you look at intensity techniques. That's a totally different ball game. Intensity yeah. techniques is actually often RPE scale, so a rate of perceived exertion. So you are literally exerting yourself to your maximal capacity, quote unquote, intensity techniques. And that's something we use far more than actual like 90, 95%, 100% intensity on the percentage base scale. But again, like that systemic load. It's, uh, it's something very important because you can get a training effect many, many different ways. Uh, you can use eclectic tools. You can use uh, supersets, compound sets. There's endless ways to actually get a training effect. But the key is just to do it a little bit smarter. So not being bound down to one single tool, not being bound down to the dogmatic approach about barbell squatting, benching, and deadlifting, it opens up your mind to actually getting closer to your goal in a smarter way. So you use the, the front squat variation. Mm -hmm. So a front squat is a movement variation. The front squat can be loaded with many different many. tools. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a barbell in the front rack position with you in the hang clean position. It needs to have front loading of some sort and you have to be actually squatting. So when you look at it as movement patterns instead of exercises, you can add so many different variables into play. You know, if you use uh, you know, a double front rack kettlebell position, obviously having two loads instead of the one on the barbell, it's gonna challenge your motor control and your stability a bit more. That's gonna automatically take down the external load that you're able to move for X amount of reps in a set. And that may give you the training response that you need that day instead of actually going in and force feeding a barbell variation if you're not ready for it. So just take, taking that into account and just trying to get the, the optimized movement pattern variation that you can train pain-free and you can get a maximal amount of training effect, that will open up so many people's programs because many times we have like the parking brake on the car of our movement. So we go in and we go in for a front rack. We can't get our shoulders into position. So automatically our spinal position shit. Then that goes down into our depth that turns to shit. It turns into shitty positions at the knees. Everything feels like crap. We can't move maximal amount of weight on the bar and we feel terrible after. So what if we were to just try to minimize those faulty um, aspects of the lift and get you just one position that you could be like, whoa, this feels really good. And I can actually train balls to the wall in this position, elicit that training effect, and you can continue on in your training program because you're not broken after those sets. 
So it's a big difference there. And as, and as I think that perspective is very important because I think we're very boxed in. I say we as in, as in an industry, right? Like, oh, well, if I can't do that, then what can I do? And there's so much different yeah. stuff that you can do. Uh, and, you know, just the whole round peg square hole, you know, analogy is like, because you can't do, and some people just don't have, I would say, uh, I don't know, the joint positions or, or, you know, whether it's a joint health, the joint positions, but they can cut like somebody can come in and do a sandbag squat, like really, you know, heavy bust their balls. Yeah. Uh, but they, they couldn't do a front squat because their wrists or their, you know, their shoulders can't allow them to do that. And just to get in the mindset, like, yeah, like just do the sandbag squat in your program, yeah. do the double kettlebell squat in your program. You know, you the know. biggest secret is even barbell sport athletes. So I'm talking about power lifters, Olympic lifters, CrossFitters. They don't always use the barbell. So there's something in our industry that just uh, I think it's like the popularization of powerlifting makes it seem like we must use the barbell. And that is the be all end all of everything. And like, don't get me wrong, like we use the barbell in FHT a lot. But hey, if you're not proficient with it, like we're going to get you a variation that actually works because, again, the goal is training response and the goal is to actually get you to make that step by step progression. And we can't do that fighting our own body. Now, if you were so so here's the kicker, though, but if you were to to look at your, you know, uh, your your training model and philosophy. But if somebody was like, okay, cool, but I'm a I'm a high school slash college athlete. My main thing is performance. How much would you, so if it was, if you looked at strength, performance, and hypertrophy as uh, main objectives, how much would you, sw- like, what were, would be the variables that you start switching inside of that, in th- what I, just a container yeah. of, of what we're talking about? That's a really good question because uh, my background's in high performance. So, like, I've coached Olympic athletes, uh, professional athletes, like, everyone and anyone in many, many different sports. Yep. So FHT isn't something I just came up with. This is a system that we've been using with performance athletes for a long, long time. So again, what's the number one goal with a performance athlete? Somebody that's worth $10 million on the football field on Sundays. The name of the game is keeping them healthy and just getting enough of maintenance and performance enhancement to get them what they need out of their training. So that training model, that's the blueprint that it was based off of. Keeping people healthy, but actually eliciting a training response where they can actually go out and they can perform in their sport. So that's the backbone there. But I'd say that you can taper it many, many different ways. Uh, There are many derivatives of the FHT style system that we use. And really the program that many people, you know, you know, thousands of trainers have trained on in our industry. That's just the one derivative that's really just built for the person that wants to achieve the holy grail of training. So we try to like systemize it in a way that you're going to get ripped. You're going to maintain or increase your strength, but your muscle mass should also go up. I mean, those are like that's like the three headed monster of goals. People won't necessarily say like, hey, I want to gain a little bit of muscle and I want to get strong, but everybody wants to lose fat. So those things, uh, the interplay between those three goals, I think they all go together. But many times when you only go just fast forward into one specific goal, so uh, you know NFL football, for instance, yeah. if you're just trying to do strength, uh, your program is going to be very, very limited because you don't have an eclectic view on actually the body as a whole unit and what it's capable of doing. So I think there's many different variables that you can kind of interplay with that. But for our performance athletes, obviously there's going to be a, a higher emphasis on power and strength development. There's going to be a lower emphasis on total volume as they actually have to go out and play a sport. Mm-hmm. But for the general fitness population, training is their sport, especially this day and age. Everyone's sitting 10 to 12 hours a day. They're 
driving in their commutes. There's no uh, other their, activity. Their, their daily sedentary activity is just at a super low level. So we need to increase the volume. We need to increase the pain-free volume. And we actually need to elicit like a heavy training response because we know the rest of the day they're going to be sitting at their desk. And that goes for people that have fat loss goals, people that have muscle building goals, people that just want to stay strong and resilient. So I think um, people know that they want to achieve some sort of goal, but they don't know exactly the goal that they want. So for most people, trying to achieve everything simultaneously for the long term, that's what's going to give the best result, and that's going to be the most sustainable thing. And see, and that's so that's the conversation uh, that a lot of people. Well, but you know, but if 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 your main goal is strength, then if you're doing concurrent, you know, training, which is what people call it, right? But it's like, then that doesn't make the most sense. But I, for for the majority of people, that does make sense. Now, the way I always looked at you know, like that question that I asked is like. Uh, like thinking of it as a piece of the pie, yeah. right? Or, or, uh, or maybe like even a, 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 if you had a meal, what's the entree, right? If the entree is strength, okay, then we're going to make some adaptations. We're not going to change the whole thing and flip it on its head. But if the entree is, you know, power, we're going to probably switch stuff up. If the entree is hypertrophy, then we're going to switch things up again. But the, the framework kind of sticks, but I always just looked at like, okay, what's the appetizer? What's the main meal? what's the uh, uh uh what's the dessert sure. right and it's like if if the main meal is strength then we're going to taper that program a little bit towards that if the main meal is performance we're going to uh, i'm going to say power for instance we're going to taper it a little bit towards that is is that a way that like somebody could view that like uh yeah i definitely think so i mean this is nothing new uh this is old school periodization models and anytime that we put a program together it's going to be in a 12-week block because we want a little bit of everything in there so everything's going to look very similar in terms of the exercises the movement patterns that we're training the days per week that kind of stuff but the emphasis is going to shift so we really go and we try to build out a base of uh uh, metabolic stress and hypertrophy in a first four-week block. We try to shift in a little bit more volume and we actually increase the intensity and we put strength as the emphasis. And at the end, and that last four-week block, we try to bring it all together and we actually try to peak somebody so they can go back down into that base hypertrophy again. So really it goes first four weeks, hypertrophy, second four weeks, strength, and then the third four weeks is a peak where your intensity is going to be up, your total volume is going to be up and then you're going to go right into a deload and start the process over again. So it's going to be that cyclical process kind of going up and down, but each time you're going to get a little bit higher. And that that kind of block-based programming, uh, it works for almost every single athlete in some extent. So we have a couple of world-class powerlifters that we're working with in Madison, Wisconsin now. Uh, one just went into a meet last uh, last week, and she PR'd three of her lifts, and she's an international-level competitor who's been doing this for a decade. And the last seven months, we've been using FHT-style periodization. So you can, you can taper this stuff. It's about the ideas. It's about the concepts. It's about the blueprint as opposed to exercise X, Y, and Z. So the possibilities are endless with the right mindset behind it. I, I, re- I really think that the, the success behind it, a lot of it has to do with that you're staying healthy. And when, you're, and when you stay healthy, uh, when the right things are functioning, you can, act, you, can, you can push the intensity, but like consistently without breaking down. And like, right. I mean, it, it really does come down to that, right? Because, man, momentum in training and your body and, and like if, if you break it, you got to start in so many different ways again, right? I mean, okay. from, like I said, psychologically to, to let's not even talk about like the you know, mind-body connection and, and stress and pain. 
when I mean, even for me right now, right? Like I, I kind of uh, tweaked my back six weeks ago, pretty bad, and what you know, whether I could do a heavy RDL or not is I don't know. But the but the thing is, is like if I can't think I do it, everything shifts. My movement right. shifts. I might not take as heavy a weight, and same thing goes for nagging pains, right? Somebody comes in the gym is like, ah, you know. Am I really gonna load up my my you know incline bench today for for my five? So it just throws everything off, and I think that's what's been really good with FHT is that it's like, hey, look, we're gonna keep you really healthy, and you're gonna be able to do this long term, and that's why you're seeing these great results because people are able to keep building and building and building on this. Pain's a hard thing to conceptualize for people. Mm-hmm. There are pain management specialists out there. There are pain researchers out there. And there are a lot of contradicting studies. There's a lot of, if you've seen enough people in pain, which I have in my career, you know that it is unpredictable. And when you kind of take pain out of the equation and you look at trying to optimize movement, you try to get them confident mentally and emotionally, it's something that we can almost, again, re-engineer the pain cycle. So if we can use techniques that can show somebody that, hey, you can get out of pain, even if it's five minutes, or hey, you can get out of pain for a week, our goal is usually to try to make it a long-term thing. So go four weeks without pain, go 12 weeks without pain, go a year, and then it's the same building block that training is based upon. But pain's a limiting thing for people because it's fucking scary. Like if you have your back go out on you, if your neck it's a crank and your arm goes numb even if you're dealing with chronic base pain at the shoulders or the knees it's something that is really mentally hard to deal with because for most people it's the unknown of am i going to make this worse and is this going to be catastrophic to my life and my lifestyle so i mean it's pretty much inserting threat right and it's like you insert threat you start having all types of shit from decreased range of motion to like i said pain signals to to spasms you name it right so and, and that's why I think, I mean, I, I bring this up because for for most people listening to this, you know, you're, you may be hurt right now, right? Like, or, or have a nagging injury right now. And you're going like, yep, that's me. Like, I'm right. you know, I'm always training, but I'm always working around something, right? Yeah. And like, how, you know, how would it feel to, to not have that? How would it feel to do something where you're getting out of pain and getting results? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, that's that's the holy grail to me, right? Essentially, yeah. um, especially when you know I didn't think about that as much as when I was younger. But like, if there's one thing if I could do, uh, you know, going back is take more of the approach of of you know what I'm doing now, yeah. uh, and you know, what if I didn't have to take so much time off? With I mean, shit, I took probably like months off of of real serious training uh when when i blew out my back six years ago i mean like probably five six months of of training that was completely kind of either altered or stopped or right i mean those are and then when you start coming back i didn't deadlift for like heavier for like two plus years yeah right so that's what pain does right It, it shifts uh it creates threat it creates a fear of different things and I think that's why this conversation is important because we're talking about more than, you know, I wanted this to be more about like, oh, hey, what's your, you know, what's your training philosophy? Like, well, you know, cube method or this method or that method. But it's like just the philosophy behind, hey, like creating results with long-term training where you're out of pain or getting yourself out of pain. Like when, you know what I mean? It's hard to do two things at once. If you're trying to achieve world-class results that are sustainable, it is nearly impossible to do two things at once. So if you're hurt, and if you're seriously banged up, you need to get out of pain. 
getting out of pain and producing results, that's not in the cards. So you got to put first things first. You got to get yourself right. You got to use intelligent training methods. You got to actually forge a foundation of your movement again. And then guess what? You can put your focus back on actually achieving the results and having more longevity. Because anytime that you have an injury, it's an opportunity to clean up whatever predisposed you to being hurt. Mm -hmm. So an injury is an opportunity for the right mindset. An injury provides you data. It goes, why is my knee hurting right now? Why did my back blow out on that last deadlift? Most likely because there's something faulty that you're doing or in your movement patterns or your programming that needs to be fixed. In the vicious cycle, that vicious pain cycle, that's what happens to a lot of lifters. They go through and they're self-fulfilling prophecies. Every six months, my back seems to get blown out, but I'm going to continue to deadlift. I'm going to get really good results, and then I'm going to go back down. And it's a cyclical process that gets really, really frustrating. And at the end of the day, you burn out, and you have this chronic base injury cycle that is really hard to get past. So when you look at changing your mindset, changing your body, we need to prevent injuries because every single time that you get injured, you're more up to get injured in that same area again like statistics don't lie yeah, on that like, so if you have a, a right acl tear you are like two times as likely to tear that right acl again and like one and a half times as likely to tear the left so again it goes back to the origins of dysfunction it goes back to movement quality and it goes back to what were you doing that actually exposed you to something that left you hurt and if we don't make some sort of change that's uh, it's just not acceptable if you're looking to do this for the long run, which most of us are because we love it. I mean, basically, it's, it's, it's uh, top two uh, top two reasons for injury. Number one, previous injury. Yep. Number two, asymmetry. Right. So it's like if you don't address the cause, it's gonna keep happening. And I think that a lot of people don't because it's like, oh, like now I'm gonna have to do you know this slow rehab, which is not true. Like you can do smart training and you know fix your problem and move forward faster than you thought possible. Um, and so before we finish, because we, we're, we're going to have to run in a second, but like one thing that comes up a lot and like really misunderstood and we talked about it is like metabolic stress, you know, training for metabolic stress. So like touch on that a little bit, because I can't tell you how many people I talk to about that. And it's like they don't really understand the concept and, and why it's included in, in, in training and why it's smart to do. Definitely. So like just uh, looking at the FHC uh, structure, you go through a primer, you go through a strength movement, a hypertrophy movement or two. And then right at the end, we go for an all-out finisher with metabolic stress. So metabolic stress is just a set and rep range. So it's something that elicits a cumulative fatigue in the tissues. It increases the amount of blood flow that goes to the tissues, and it creates the pump. The pump. <laughs> so that's what keeps yeah. everyone's mind off of metabolic stress is like, oh, no, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not training pump training. You know, that doesn't get me results. That doesn't get me functional hypertrophy but it does. And what it also does is makes you very, very resilient in your tissues. So by decreasing the load and increasing the amount of sets that you're doing and the movements that you're choosing to do with, you know, set reps of, you know, five sets of 25 to 50 reps, you're looking at eliciting this huge response that is really going to be great for tissue growth, but also tissue repair as well. And there's even research saying that uh, that kind of loading can increase tendon health. It can actually strengthen the musculotendinous junction where a lot of injuries happen. Mm -hmm. And it's something that produces world-class training effects that build muscle and burn fat because 
just the systemic environment that it causes is just so powerful. And too, like another thing is for people to understand that it's, it's not creating this humongous uh, negative effect on your on your on your strength. And this right. is where people kind of get into these issues where it's like, oh no, like if I do any of that pump work, you know, my power will go down, my strength will go down. And like these are just misconceptions, you know. And, and I think it it fits back in into you know the things that you're saying that it's healthy. And long term, this is what's going to help you out. I guess another reason that people don't do metabolic stress is that it's fucking hard to. I mean, (laughs) these are some of the most painful pumps that you'll ever have. But if you're into that, you're looking for this huge training response and you can actually feel it happening. It's one of the most promising things that you can add to your training session. And like there's many ways to elicit a metabolic stressed response. Uh, whether it be increasing your sets and reps and getting that cumulative base fatigue in the tissues or whether it be doing things like loaded stretching uh, that is another staple of the FHT program that literally not only helps your muscle growth and fat loss but enhances mobility as well. You know, there's endless possibilities there. But just opening up your mind to, hey, we don't just have to do reps of three and five to get strong and we don't have to only do reps of eight to 15 to build muscle. There's many different ways. And again, it all stems back to what's gonna be sustainable and what's gonna leave you better week after week. And the thing is, just because, so I'm gonna kind of finish on this note because um, you know, when people say, well, look, to, to get specific adaptations, you know, if you're working in a one to three, three to five, you know, that's the strength phase. But long-term studies also shown that those people that continue to work in those phases get injured right. like a lot more frequently than people that are switching up even their, their uh, rep maxes and doing 10 RM or 15 RM right. and things like that. So if you look at, and, and this is what I hate with training that like a lot of studies are done, it's, it's like a finite point in time. Right. Well, in this point in time, look at what happens. Six to eight weeks. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> or even even 12, but like, what, you know, let's look at a year or two years, or three, you know, right. five years. And if you took that picture, you know, we're obviously seeing this where people are getting really beat up and it's it's really hindering progress, life results, all of those different things. And and that's where, you know, what, what you're talking about really even starts making more sense. It's going like, yeah, if you look at this, you can pull out and go like, oh yeah, that guy went got stronger than if right. you went this route. Okay, but let's let's extend the time frame now, two years. Right. You know, now we're starting to see a lot of different, you know, different results in a different picture. And uh, and you know, with that said, I'd I'd really encourage everybody one to like check out more of John's stuff. Actually, you know, where where can we find out more about? like everything that you're doing. Yeah, everything's over on my website, drjohnrusin.com, D-R-J-O-H-N-R-U-S-I-N.com. All my social media is over there. We got articles dropping twice a week that are really, uh, really something special that really is truly my voice on all the stuff that we talked about today. And you can check out our FHC program over there too. Yeah, so by the way, I mean, I'm, look, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat biased, but let's just say that I'm, uh, objectively, I did the program, it was one of the best things I've done in years. Uh, the results that got me and Hugh. Hugh got jacked out of his mind. By the way, I wish we had a before and after picture, but uh, uh, it was it was great. But uh, definitely check out because the stuff John's putting out it really is is it just the you know the, the free content is amazing. Uh, both on you know Instagram, on Facebook, uh, if you're following his blog and stuff like that. And one more thing too, uh, on April 1st and 2nd, 2017, because uh, I don't know when you'll be listening to this podcast. You know we got we got John and uh, and Christian Thibodeau coming out for. Uh, a two-day seminar, and they're gonna—I mean—go all in on their 
training philosophy. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of hands-on stuff. And, uh, you know, we got, I think, max 45 or 50 spaces. And I think we're probably about, like, within a day, 10, 10 sold, <laughs> sold already. So definitely look at that. I'm going to put the, uh, the link in the show notes so you guys can see that uh, and, you know, get to spend more time with, with uh, John and Christian. And, and, and that's going to be dope. And that's going to be at Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance in Seattle. So April 1st and 2nd, Saturday and Sunday. Um, check that out, too, if you're, you want to dig in. And like I said, if, if you're, especially if you're a coach and uh, you're, you're looking how to implement this into your systems and your training and your gym and help people get better results, um, because it, it is a game changer. It really, really is a game changer. So thank you for being on the show, man. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Uh, we're, you know, now, now we're back to where we're going to the Insta. <laughs> and, uh, but, hey, you guys tune in. Remember, every time, if, 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 if you love the show, please leave a re- review on iTunes. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube if you want to see our nice, beautiful ball faces, um, you know, uh, if, if that kind of tickles your fancy. But I will show. I'll see you guys next time on the Vigor Life Podcast. Coach Lucas out. Peace. Nope. Cool.